here she comes. Good evening, everybody. If Nicole would just run and get to the piano, we'll be in good shape, right? If you need a songbook, it's page 796. We're going to sing Heaven Came Down. Help me out here. You guys sing out, okay? Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day.
Loretta was teasing me before the service that we were going to sing the other version of this song. And I'll tell you, it seemed like it to me. I couldn't get that thing going. Oh, well. All right, let's sing Like a River Glorious. It's 402 if you need the book. Good to have everybody here. What a beautiful day the Lord gave us. Isn't it nice out there? It's uh, not going to stay that way, but it's good right now, which is a good thing. So uh, we're excited about it. If you would remember a couple things in prayer, tomorrow Miss Vicki King is having her reconstructive surgery for her cancer. So if you would uh, pray for her with that. This is a secondary, you know, so if you remember, if you've not followed through with that, you can talk to Miss Vicki about it. And then uh, Daniel Wayman has been visiting the church. Uh, his twin brother, they're both, I think, 35-ish. Uh, his twin brother's married, got a couple kids. Uh, colon cancer is in the process. There's a six- to eight-hour surgery taking place. 
when he's done, he will have a colostomy for the rest of his life and the whole bit. All right, there's, so um, just pray that this works, right? They're just trying to make sure that this cancer does not come back. So if you would just uh, keep them in your prayers, I know that they would appreciate it. So let's go to the Lord and ask him to bless our service. Father, it's a joy to be able to be here tonight. We ask that you would uh, bless Awana, bless the teenagers, bless the college students that are meeting in other places of the building. Just, uh, bless those ministries there. Help us to grow together as we uh, meet here, that uh, we would allow your word to challenge us, speak to our hearts, and we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. But Matt, I'm going to let you come, and you're going to have to do the introductions, because I will mess up names and everything else. So just introduce yourself and introduce your ministry, if you would. Tell us a little bit about you. Very good. Yeah, come on. All right, good evening. Uh, my name is Matt Barfield. I know some of you all here. It's good to see you. And uh, I'd like to thank Pastor Ray for letting me share a little bit. Uh, I work with a mission board called International Partnership Ministries, based out of Hanover, Pennsylvania. We've been working for over 40 years with foreign nationals that are doing church planning and training leaders in over 25 countries. And it's been a real joy to do that. My wife and I started in the ministry with IPM in the country of Jordan, which has been much in the news recently. And uh, we, I, I personally met the pastor of uh, the Baptist Church in Gaza City and uh, heard some of what God has done in his ministry prior to all of these problems. And uh, so we need to pray for our brethren in the Middle East. My son spent six months in the country of Lebanon last year, and uh, he's watching a lot of his friends go through a difficult time from all of that. So many things on our hearts and minds. I've never had so many friends in harm's way as I do right now. Uh, my brother, church planner with IPM in Myanmar, he's hearing explosions and gunshots every night. My brother in Haiti, in his area, there's a lot of unrest. Um, and just many different parts of the world. Uh, there's a lot we need, to, we need to pray for, for our brothers and sisters in harm's way. They'd be salt and light in these difficult times. This is where Christians get to shine and get to show the world what Christ has done for us when they're all hurting. Well, brother uh, who's with me here tonight is Brother uh, Jose Jordan from the country of Bolivia in South America, landlocked country down there. And uh, God's used him to do a church, lead a church planning work in the country of Bolivia. And I'm going to let him speak to you a little bit for a few minutes, explain what God's done in his life, and I'll try to translate. Unless somebody speaks Spanish better than I do, I'd be happy to sit down. Okay, all right, brother. We'll get, it'll be up to me. Go ahead. Yes, please. I'd like it. Yeah, we can both get it. No, it's okay. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah. All right, go ahead, brother. Good evening. Oh, good. good. That was English. I don't think. No, no, no te preocupes. Yeah, don't worry. Sorry, wrong way. Yep, got it. Go ahead. Buenas noches, queridos hermanos. Good evening, dear brethren. Gracias, Pastor, por la oportunidad de poder presentar el Ministerio de Bolivia. Thank you for letting me share my ministry in Bolivia. Bolivia en Sudamérica es un país muy católico. We have this country, Bolivia, is very Catholic in South America. Pero Dios ha abierto el corazón a las personas hacia el Evangelio. But God's opening doors of hearts so they hear the gospel. Hay mucha aceptibilidad de las personas hacia el Evangelio. Right now there's a lot of uh, openness to the gospel as we go out and preach. Cuando tenía 31 años, and uh, when I was 31 years old, el Señor desafió mi corazón. God uh, put a call on my heart a poderle servir tiempo completo. That I should go and serve him completely out of my work, go into complete full-time service. Filipenses 3, capítulo, versículo 7. In Philippians 3, and verse number 11. Pablo decía que eh, todo lo que él tenía lo puso como basura. Oh, everything that I counted gain to me, I count loss for Christ. Por amor a Cristo. For the love of Christ. Ese versículo tocó mi corazón. This is something that affected my life. 
Así que me fui a preparar con mi familia. And so I left my work and my family and I went prepared for ministry. Y desde ese momento estamos sirviendo al Señor allá en Bolivia. And now we're getting to serve the Lord in the country of Bolivia. Estamos ahí en la iglesia, trabajamos con jóvenes. In the church we have ministries for young people. Transmitiendo el corazón de Dios a ellos. We to share the heart of God for those young people. Que son las misiones. So they will be missionaries and reach the rest of the country. Hacemos grupos de jóvenes para ir a predicar a las afueras de la ciudad. We send out our young people in different groups to preach in the city of Cochabamba. Cochabamba. Yeah, right. Sí. Eh, y también trabajamos mucho con niños. And we're working a lot also with children's ministries. Transmitiendo el mismo corazón de Dios a ellos. Again, getting the heart of God to those young people, those children. Y damos gracias a Dios porque Él está permitiendo ahora abrir otra iglesia. And now I'm really glad that God's given me the opportunity to start another church. Dios nos ha llamado hacia la gente del campo. God's calling us out into the countryside part of my country. En la ciudad, tal vez hay muchas iglesias. You know, in the, in the city of Cochabamba, there's lots of different church opportunities for people. Por eso queremos ir a la gente donde no hay iglesias. But we really feel burdened now to go out to places where there aren't any churches, these unreached areas. Y así tenemos distintos grupos en la iglesia. There are different uh, groups, distinctive groups in the church. Ayudamos eh, con campamentos. We're helping out with the camp ministry. Matrimonios, jóvenes y niños. And we have uh, ministries to married couples and then young people and then children. Eso ayuda a que muchas otros, otras personas vengan a la iglesia. Uh, this, this division of labor has let more people come to the church and be a part of God's work. Y se les puede predicar el evangelio. And so we're able to preach the gospel to them. Tenemos un gran peso en Bolivia por los niños en la calle, huérfanos. We've got a real problem in Bolivia, unique to our area, of these orphans that live in the street. Y como iglesia queremos hacer un orfanato. And so we are trying to start a, an orphanage for that, for that group. Para todos estos niños. Because of these many children who are left like this. Y estamos agradecidos a Dios como puede Él usar nuestras vidas. Uh, otra vez. Agradecidos a Dios como Él puede usar nuestras vidas. Oh, and I'm really glad that God's given us the opportunity to impact these orphans like this. No lo merecemos. Yeah. Pero es la gracia de Dios. I don't know what to say except thank the Lord. I'm so excited to be in the ministry. Eh, mi hija ahora se está preparando en Puerto Rico. My daughter is preparing for ministry. She's studying at a Bible college in Puerto Rico. Eh, con otra de la iglesia. And I have another child who's serving in the church in Cochabamba. Y en Bolivia hay cuatro personas más, cuatro jóvenes que se están preparando en la Biblia. And then in our church we've got more young people, four more young people who are getting ready for ministry to go out and serve. Y ese es el deseo que hay en el corazón que ellos estudien la palabra de Dios. This is the desire of our heart to see these young people studying God's word. Y que sean desafiados por Dios para el ministerio. And that they would be encouraged to go out and, and serve the Lord in the ministry. Y para el año tenemos tres eh, jóvenes más que quieren saliendo de la universidad prepararse en la Biblia. And we've had uh, in the past, sorry, had the past few years we've had three young people um, get done with the university, leave that, and go into preparing for ministry, studying the Word of God. So les pido que puedan estar orando. So please pray for us. Porque Dios está moviendo corazones allá en Bolivia. Because God's working in the hearts of people in Bolivia. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't bring that, Pastor. I feel bad. I forgot about it. So, um, thank you, Brother Jose. Uh, I've traveled with him two weeks. He's leaving tomorrow to go to Florida. And I told him, I'm going to miss you. I really enjoyed being with you and getting to hear what God's doing in your ministry and life. Um, 
So we, my family and I came here seven years ago uh, with, to work at Colonial Hills Baptist Church with, in partnership with IPM to start a ministry to the international communities that are coming here to Indianapolis and to use that as a pattern that we could see spread to other churches in the country. And so this is a ministry that we call Next Door Nations. Uh, I wrote a, a short book about it. It's really short. If you want to read the complete works of Matt Barfield, now's the time to do it. Uh, very easy to do. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you search Matt Barfield, Next Door Nations. You'll see the book there. But basically explains sort of the mindset it takes to do this and then some practical steps to put things in place. We're excited now. After, the, after seven years of working at Colonial, uh, we have many different groups meeting. We translate our morning services in about 10 or 12 languages. We have live translation in Swahili, Spanish, and French. We have uh, ministries in, uh, for Filipinos, for Burmese, for Russian speakers, Spanish speakers, Swahili speakers. Uh, we have an international garden. We've done International Bible Institute work. We have ESL classes every week. There's a lot of things going on, and about 200 foreign-born people on the campus every Sunday, uh, which is just thrilling to see how God's done that. People are getting saved, baptized, added to the church. Beyond what's happening there, it's spreading to other churches. And so we're seeing churches in Pennsylvania and Florida uh, doing ministries like this. We've made a software to make the translation work easier. That's at youconvert.com. Uh, the software platform that we've made to make that whole process go. That's what we're busy doing, and we're really glad we're to see God work in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pastor. Sure enough, thank you. I wanted you to hear about the, uh, the next donations because uh, all of us, I would guess, every single one of you, have someone from another country living within walking distance of your residence. Probably multiple people, you know, uh, you go out here, turn left, and turn into the first housing addition, which is the one right next door to our church, and it's about 50 or 60% seek. And so it, there, there's the opportunity. We need to learn how to do it, right? God's literally brought, brought to us a mission, mission fields. Uh, one of the largest Burmese populations in, is here on the south side of Indianapolis, right? And one of the largest Hispanic populations. Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but one of the largest is Haitian populations in the United States here in Indianapolis, you know? I mean, it's just an unusual, Indianapolis has become its own melting pot. So, um, great opportunity for us. We need to jump at it. Okay, so we're gonna get into our study here now and I will try to keep it moving. We're doing a book called Side by Side. Uh, by the way, next week, uh, we're gonna be starting a new study. We is gonna be, uh, uh, Doc and I are gonna work together. Doc. Uh, Wayne Bly, Captain Bly and I are going to work together, but um, the stuff that's happening in Israel, you remember a few years back, it's probably been 10 years back, maybe 15, Brother Bly did the uh, study for us on, on Islam, and uh, that was just a, just a general study, just to get us, and so the things that happen in Israel right now have gotten a lot of people asking a lot of questions, so we want to do a couple things with this study, but the primary one, quite honestly, uh, is to calm hearts and minds. God's still in control, and, and there's a reality to all of this. Here's, uh, the Bible says that will keep him in perfect peace. What? Am I know what the rest? Whose mind is stayed on thee. Perfect peace, right? So nothing, whether it's war in, in Israel or whether it's another attack on American soil, nothing should rob us of the peace that God gives us if we believe that God's in control here, right? You know, if we believe that, that uh, you know, God's not caught off guard ever. And so um, 
you know, so part of that study, of my side of the study, quite honestly, is to do that. Let's make sure that we know what we know about God, and then uh, Wayne's going to do a history study of of the 20th century up to now regarding Israel, so probably starting around 19, well, a little before 1948, because that's when it all started, but uh, anyway, you'll... Uh, I think you'll enjoy the study, and uh, we're also going to be utilizing a book, so that book which we've used here before, but it's been years ago, it's been updated, so Joel Rosenberg is a Jew, he is not, he's not our stripe, all right, I mean, I'm not the kind of person, you already know this about me, that I don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, we can glean, and I trust that the Spirit of God is able to help you glean, all right, so we're not, but uh, we're going to do a study with Joel Rosenberg, he does not hold uh, to a pre-tribulational rapture. That's a big deal in moving forward with his doctrine. But because he is Jewish and a saved Jew, uh, he has a very unique understanding of the Middle East. And the title of his book is Epicenter, and it, it's trying to answer the question, why is it that for millennia the Middle East has been the central focus of the world? and the epicenter of every, everything, right? And it's, an, it's kind of a unique concept, and he's got a, he's got a good take on it, so we'll, uh, we'll utilize that book as well. So uh, we're going to keep it short. It's going to be like seven weeks. It's not going to be very long, uh, but uh, we'll do that. But anyway, today we're going to finish up side by side. Now, I've got it. since we do have visitors, I've got to kind of bring you up to date, all right? So side by side is a book that has, it's this concept. It's that there's two sides of this, concept of us being a part of a church body. One is that all of us are needy people. Every single one of us are in need of help. We all need help from God, and God, who is much smarter than we are, uh, said not only do we need help from him, but we need help from the Holy Spirit of God, from the Word of God, and from the church. And he gave us a church, and so that's that concept, right? We're, we come in, every single one of us came in with something on our heart, some burden that we're bearing, we all are in need of help from God every day. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Remember, we looked at Genesis. Genesis, where God created and said it's good, and God created and said it's good. God created man and said it's very good. And the next thing God says about man, is he, he says, it is not good that man should be alone. He needs help me. He needs help. So that's that first side of it. We've been, we spent time doing that. Then we're now we're on this second side where not only are we, we needy people, but we are called by God to be helping people, right? We're on the other side of this equation. So in a church setting, especially, uh, where every joint fits together, where we, do all, we all do our part, we come in willing to learn how to help. So uh, we, we talked about why people don't like to do this, and, and I use the word sticky. It is sticky. Ministry is sticky. Uh, but up to now, quite honestly, we haven't gotten to the sticky. We're going to get to the sticky now, uh, today. So let me, let me explain to you how this works. Um, uh, so this morning, uh, we got a message uh, or an email uh, to our church office, and that goes to all of our staff. And it was the name of a person who said, please, can you help? You know, and that's not what she said. She said, please call us. And translation, we're needing some help. Now, uh, she needed financial help, and, and I won't get into all the details of that, especially since we're on the air. Uh, but um, I can look like a hero really quick, and I can make our church look like a hero really quickly, right? Let's help her. 
throw some money at it. Wow, this is wonderful. But there's another step, and that's the step that is harder. That's where it starts getting sticky. And that's what we're going to look at, look at tonight and ask you to consider allowing God to uh, make this. Not only do we need help, we need to be helped. We've already looked at these things. Remember, we have the Spirit of God who's guiding us and illuminating us and helping us understand. And we are to move toward one another and greet one another. We're to have thoughtful conversations, see the good uh, in the circumstance and in the, in the person we're trying to help. Uh, good meaning, you know, good being a relative thing there so that we can enjoy and not feel it's a burden. We're to walk together and tell stories, have compassion during trouble and prayer. That's what we talked about last week. Today is this one. If I want to go to the next step, would you agree with me that whether it's this woman I talked to today or whoever else, would you agree that there's probably a series of bad decisions that has caused this woman to be ready to be evicted from a weekly payment housing situation as a single mom of three kids? Would you agree that there's probably, I don't know, I don't know her, but there's probably a series of bad decisions. Would you agree? I can, I can throw money at the situation and, and be thought of as a hero. But the next step is a little sticky. The next step is, yes, we can help you financially, but let me ask you. Would you be willing to let us help you not figure out how you got here and how we can keep you from getting here again? That's a little harder, right? That's, that's where it, now all of a sudden it's like some people get, they bristle immediately, whatever. Uh, so uh, let me ask you another question. What is the ultimate goal of our Christian life? What, are, what is it that God is pushing us toward? here on this earth? Christ-likeness, right? Absolutely. Christ-likeness. God's goal is to make us more like Christ. Now, if all of us come in here and we say, my goal is God's goal, I want to become more like Jesus, I want to be more Christ-like, then if someone comes up to us and decides to help us, we're less inclined to bristle then we are inclined to embrace, right? Let's, if, if our goal is the same, if my goal is not to embarrass and, and humiliate you, then you're, you know, if my goal is to help you become Christ-like and your goal is to be Christ-like, then we're on the same page. We're going the same direction. And this works really well. And that's this side-by-side -side concept. So what we've got to do is prepare to take the, the sticky step, right? To talk about how did we get here? If we have a problem... How did we get here? So we're going to work through some of these things together. This is very practical. Uh, have a general understanding. To, you know, all we're doing is preparing to talk about sin. We're preparing to talk about it. We're not trying to pinpoint anybody. We're not going to try to go find someone. We're just preparing in general. So having a general understanding of common issues. Give me a common, a common issue that Christians might battle in their Christian walk. Give me something that's common. Okay, we all have these daily temptations, right? The Bible calls them besetting sins sometimes for us, but, you know, here we are. We all have these temptations, and we've got to figure out how to overcome the daily temptation. And when we say that word, it's like, oh, no, this is so bad. But, 
you know, a lot of times it's just like, for instance, if a guy is, is about ready to lose his job, right? I don't know if that's anybody here, so please, you know, I'm just talking. So a guy's about ready to lose his job. Would you agree that there's probably a series of bad decisions that has brought that person to that point? Now, I can be the hero and say, well, we can spot you until you get another job. I can be the hero and say, oh, here's another job for you. Or I can go the extra step to say, let's figure out how you got here. And let's work together with God and his word in how we can keep from getting here again. Right? Because that's the growth aspect. God brings us together as a body of believers so that we grow, so that we challenge one another in our, in our spiritual walk, not just, to, not just to endure a message and then leave, or not just to check off a box, oh, we went to church, right? We, there's a purpose in it. And so that's it. So give me another one. Give me give me a couple of them. What's another common issue, for Tim? Okay, not understanding our place in God's family. Depression, depression, and discouragement. You know, we don't fit in. It don't feel like we fit in, and it causes us to to have discouragement. And so, okay, we we have to ask the hard question: How did we get here? And is there something we could do to keep from getting here again? I mean, I can say, Am, I'm praying for you, brother. I can smile, shake your hand. I can tell you, oh, you look great. You don't need to worry about that. I mean, I can be the hero, right? Or I can do what God's asking us to do. That next step is the hard one, right? It really is. Give me one more. Okay, consistency and witnessing. Well, all of us would feel like, you know, how how much we fail at that one, consistency and witnessing. So, you know, again, we have to ask the question, why? What, what brings us to that point of being inconsistent? And so we begin to work through that so that we can develop consistency. Let's work on So what, we have to also understand this, the goal of restoration. So the goal is Christ-likeness, right? We know this. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in default, ye were spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest thou also be tempted. But what... What does restoration look like? If I'm trying to help someone toward restoration, what does it even look like? Or maybe I should ask it this way. What does it not look like? I know you have to kind of read my mind to get there, but not necessarily. Somebody this morning got it. So, you know, you're able to get it. Here's the point. If we go to the not, let's go to the not. It's not trying to bring somebody back to where they were. That's not restoration. I need you to hear this. Because sometimes that is completely impossible. You get this uh, teenage couple, and they get themselves in trouble and wind up pregnant, and they can, they can be forgiven. But guess what never can happen? You can't erase it. There's still a circumstance there, right? If you had an abortion, it doesn't erase it. It just compounds the problem. I mean, there's nothing here that's going to just make that problem go away. So restoration is not to bring somebody back to where they were because we can't always do that. What is restoration? What's my goal here? To restore such a one. What am I trying to do? What am I restoring? With? There you go. That I can do, right? I can get some, I can lead someone back to a right relationship with God. Regardless of what scars sin may have left, right? Because God 
is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can, I can help bring someone back to a right relationship with God. And then ultimately, as the other pieces fall into place, a right relationship with their spouse and with their family and whoever else that might be involved, right? Uh, I can do that. I can't, I can't restore is not like going backwards as if nothing ever took place. I can't do that, and neither can you. And that's not the promise that God gives. The promise that God gives is victory over the circumstance. You know, that's, what, that's the promise God gives. So just keep that in mind. If we understand the common issues, we're, we're preparing ourselves to have a conversation about those, and then we understand the goal of restoration. Now then, we need to understand this antithesis concept. So you've heard this before. Don't make it too hard. When is a thief no longer a thief? And that would be the wrong answer. <laughs> Thank you. I was hoping somebody would give me the wrong answer, actually. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to prove this to you. I'm going to prove this to you that a thief is, it, that the answer is not when he, no longer, when he doesn't steal. If I take a thief and I put him in prison, he's not stealing anything. What is there to steal? You know, underwear and toothpaste, there's not a whole lot there to steal, Right? I mean, there's nothing there. So he's not stealing anything. So you might say, oh, look, he's no longer a thief. But then we let him out of prison, and he goes back to stealing. Well, the reality is he never quit being a thief. We just took away his opportunity. I, I say this all the time. I say it tongue-in-cheek. Please know, my kids went to Christian school. I teach at a Christian school. But you know what a Christian school is? Prison. We put kids in a Christian school, and they look like what we want them to look like, they sound like, you know why? Because we're making them. We put them in prison. And then they graduate, and all of a sudden we're like, whoa, what happened to this great kid? He was such a great kid just three days ago. Now he's graduating. What happened? Well, he was always the kid that you're seeing right now, right? It's just that we put him in prison. While he's in prison, we're controlling all those things. So how do you know a thief is no longer a thief? Take your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and let me show you this. In Ephesians chapter 4, go down to verse... Uh, 28, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him what? Labor. Working with his hands, look what it says, working with his hands, <clears throat> the thing that is good, that he may do what? Give to him that needeth. Now, I've got this guy who was a thief. He had a, a stealing problem. And now I'm helping him get right with God. Now he's got a job. And he's using the blessings of God on his life to help other people. You know, I look at that guy and I say, he's no longer a thief. God's done a work. You, you see how this works? It's that antithesis concept. When is, using the same concept, when is a liar no longer a liar? When he tells the truth, right? It's not just enough to stop lying. He needs to start telling the truth. And so as we're trying to sharpen one another, as iron sharpens iron, as we're coming in... And being willing to be used by God to ask the hard questions. How would you get here? Can, can we... By the way, I was one of those guys, right? I, I, was, I was arrested. And, and I, somebody had to sit me down and say, John, how would you get here? And, and I was a Christian. Not only was I a Christian, I was in ministry. Remember? And I had to... Somebody had to say... There's a problem, John. Would you agree? There's a problem. Now, my, my problem was I, I love speed. 
still do love not the drug, I mean just the car. I like driving fast. I still like driving fast. And it's a problem. And I had gotten so many speeding tickets. I have not gotten a, speed, gotten a speeding ticket in over 20 years, 25 years. I don't know now. But, but at the time, I was just getting them left and right. I liked, I liked speed. And finally, a police officer looked at me and said, enough's enough. Get out of the car. Why? I'm not going to let you drive anymore. Handcuffs, mugshots, fingerprints, and... Someone had to say, John, how'd you get here? And what can we do to keep you from getting here again? And what I had to do was to break my will and be willing to do this God's way. Right? Now, that, you know, it was a challenge. Somebody had to be that sticky person, right? Somebody had to have the courage to go the extra mile and say, you know what? I don't know if John's going to be worth it or not, but I'm going to try to help this poor kid, right? I mean, it, it, that's a big deal. And that's what we're called upon to do for one another. We've got to remember where we're headed, right? We're not just trying to get people to stop doing things. Parents do this all the time. Pastor, how can I get my kid to stop smoking? I, I don't know, but what does it matter? That's not the issue, right? The issue is let's get your kid to do the right thing over here. There's a bigger issue at stake here. Would you agree? It's not, just, and so sometimes we just focus. I'll tell you how to do it. Put him in a Christian school. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I say that tongue in cheek. I'm not against Christian schools. I'm, again, my kids went to it, but uh, you know, it just is what it is. We got to figure this out. So, when is, by the, this is a harder one. When is an angry man no longer an angry man? Still in Ephesians chapter four. Listen to what the Bible says here in verse 26. Be angry and. Oh, okay. So. Getting rid of anger isn't necessarily the goal. Be angry and sin not. What is the purpose of anger? Anger has a purpose. See, I believe every emotion is given to us by God. Sin distorts them and makes them wicked. A desire for my wife is biblical. When desire becomes lust outside of marriage... It's a problem. Do you understand? So, you know, God gives us. So what's, the, what's God's purpose for anger? Be angry and sin not. It's a motivator. Exactly. It's a motivator. Here's what happens. Dad, you're sitting there, you're watching the game, and your kids are misbehaving and not listening to your wife. And you know what that anger does? It gets you off the couch and gets you to help your kids. Do you see? Now... Anger, that doesn't mean that we're trying to help ourselves, right? I wish you'd just yeah, shut up and let me listen again. That's, not, that's the misuse of anger. You're being the angry man. Be angry and sin not. You know, so we take the anger and we use it for righteousness. And so when this angry man is no longer an angry man is when he's taking the anger and using it for righteousness. For instance, when Christ walked into the temple and overthrew the, the money tables, we don't look at Christ and say, oh, he lost his temper. We don't say that. It's righteous indignation. That's what we say. It's using the motive, the anger to motivate us toward righteousness. So that, that's what we've got to figure out. Greed, selfishness, bondage. When I say bondage, I'm talking about um, you know, uh, sin that has us in, in bondage, right? Uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, I will not be brought under the power of any. By the way, that's the reason smoking is sinful. Because it starts controlling you. That's the reason caffeine is sinful. 
All right, I'll, I'll put mine in there, all right? Because it starts controlling you. And the Apostle Paul says, I'm not going to be brought on the power of any. Right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to let God be in control. I mean, what if, what if God called me to Belize? I thought, man, I'm going to go to Belize when I'm there on a mission trip, and I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to have the best coffee ever. They don't drink coffee. At least in the area of Belize, we were, there was no coffee to be found. I did not drink a cup of coffee for eight days. And I like coffee. <laughs> and it's like, what if God called you Belize? Like, is that a deal breaker for you? <laughs> I'm not going to be brought under the power of any. You get the idea? I'm going to let God lead, and I'm going to be brought under the power of any. And it becomes a challenge. So that's what we mean by that, moral impurity. All these things. We've got to think this through. As, if I'm going to help someone, I promise you, once you say, I'm going to prepare to do this, God, I'll be ready if you send someone my way. Hang on tight. God's going to send someone your way. But hang on tight because God's going to send someone your way to be your helper as well. And God's going to help you because somebody else is going to notice something that you might need some help with. And they're going to be willing to get sticky. But if we have the same goal, I want to be like Jesus. And you want to be like Jesus. Then when you come to me and say, Pastor, I really appreciate you, but we need to talk about this. How would you get here? Then I'm not bristling. I'm like, now we're working together to go to the same place. Let's go be like Jesus. And uh, that's that side-by-side concept. So here we go. Understanding repentance. Now, repentance is, um, is a uniquely Christian concept uh, in the Christian life. So I want you to hear this. Uh, repentance is not about... I've got to be really careful how I say this, right? When we repent at the time of salvation, it is to turn toward God, right? But we don't set sin aside to get saved. We set sin aside because we're saved. Do you understand? We, in Ephesians chapter 4, also in Ephesians chapter 4, we have this concept that says we are to put off the old man, renew our thinking, put on the new man. This is written to the church. It's written to the church in Ephesus, to Christian people. This is the, the church's way of life. Uh, so this concept of repentance in, in dealing with sin is really uniquely given to Christians. Unsaved people, without the power of God in their lives, don't have the ability to turn away from sin toward righteousness. Do you understand? Because all of, our, all of their righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But in Christ, I can do righteousness. So in Christ, through Christ, repent of my sin, and I turn. So we're talking about Christians. We're talking about how we're going to help each other, or how you're going to help uh, some family member. So uh, the Apostle Paul writing says, Now I rejoice that not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. So this godly sorrow is this, uh, is this uh, repentance concept that's there. So look what it says. For godly sorrow worketh repentance salvation, but not to be repented of, but... The sorrow of the world worketh death. Now, that is an interesting statement. So there is a, a feel bad of the world that does not work repentance. What do we call it when somebody just feels bad for something, apart from in Christ? What do we call that? We might call it depression. We call it guilt. You know what is removed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Guilt. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, right? I stand redeemed by the blood of Jesus. The guilt is gone. I, have I still, do I still have a sinful past? Yes. But the guilt's gone. Because he took it all. He took it all on himself. Right? So that's huge. 
But then as Christians, we have this godly sorrow. Well, guilt will just eat people alive, right? Guilt, it's, it's responsible for so many problems and leads people to suicide, leads people to drugs, leads people to alcohol, leads people to this, that guilt, that burden of guilt. Because the, the Bible says the sorrow of the world worketh death. But godly sorrow in Christ, when the Holy Spirit of God is convincing men of sin and righteousness and judgment, that godly sorrow works repentance. And here's what it looks like. We have to catch this. So that's the same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. And then it begins this list. And I, we need to understand repentance because we want to help people get to, ultimately get to victory, right? That's the goal, to get to victory over sin. And uh, we're talking about Christian people. And so let's kind of work through this list one at a time, all right? And that's hard to read. I apologize for it. Uh, it's, so understand repentance. Here's the list. This is taken straight from that verse. What carefulness it wrought in you. Now listen, I'm going to speak as plainly as I know how. I have said from the pulpit, at least for the last ten years, every time I approach a teenage guy or a college-age guy about the Internet, I approach with the assumption that they're struggling with the Internet. And I'm just telling you as honestly as I know how, I've been 100% right thus far. I've never had a kid say, Pastor, that's not my problem. Never. Never. And I'm talking about your kids and your grandkids. It's just the approach of it. I'm just going to be as honest as I know how. When, you know, when we have our Bible college ministry being trained for ministry interns come in, I treat them the same way, and I'm 100% right. I hope that doesn't dis disappoint you. It's just the reality of this time in history. It's where we are. Okay, it's just it's where we are. The question is, can they have victory? And the answer is yes. But we've got to do more. If I'm going to actually bring them, help them get to victory, then I can't just be the hero. Well, I'm praying for you, brother. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it takes more than that, right? And. and if people walk up and say, oh, Pastor John's such a nice guy, whoop-dee-doo, what's that got to do with anything if I didn't help them? But if I say to them, let's find out how you got here, and let's find the Bible principles and figure out how we can keep from staying here and keep from getting here again. So this one, what carefulness, it's a really simple illustration, right? So I say to this young man, do you want to be right with God? Yes. I say this. Do you desperately want to be right with God? Because the next step I'm going to ask you to do will be terribly inconvenient. And if they say yes, then here's what I say. You need to take your computer, laptop, iPad, phone, when it comes to anything that you can use to get on the Internet, and every available thing way to get on the internet you need to bring it to the living room you don't you don't use those in your bedroom anymore that's inconvenient pastor john i'm trying to do my homework i know how desperately do you want to be right with god hey it's going to get worse so hang on tight then i want you to have a conversation with your dad tell your dad what you're struggling with your dad will understand tell your dad what you're struggling with and then do this you and your dad are going to devise passwords 
for all of your devices. And you're going to know the first five digits of your password. And your dad's going to know the last five digits of, the pass of your password. And the only way you're ever going to be able to get on the Internet is when dad's with you. Now, you know what the end result of that will be? A lot less looking at things they shouldn't look at. Would you agree? Now, is it, is it convenient? No. But I'm asking, how desperately do you want to be right with God? Because if you want to be right with God, I can help you. But if you say, Pastor, I'm not really interested, I, we, we need to go back and define repentance. Because true repentance brings about a carefulness that says, I just want to be careful. I don't trust myself. The guy who says, oh, I can handle it, is the guy who's in trouble. Right? He's in trouble every time. But the guy who says, I need help, we can give them help that will bring them to Christ-likeness. The next one is, what clearing of yourselves, right? It, it, it's this idea that, okay, I need, to know, I need to know everything that we're dealing with, right? So I'm, I'm going to just keep using this same kid, this un, unnamed, because there's no name attached to this. This could be one of a thousand kids, that, and I'm literally saying a thousand kids that I've talked to over the last ten years. So, um, so this person, you know, okay, so I need to know everything, right? I need to know when it is that you're struggling the most. I need to know if there's anyone else involved with what is going on in this Internet issue. I mean, is this just you're looking up pictures of I don't know who they are or you're passing along, you know, sexting things, right? What's happening? I need to know because I don't want to get halfway into this and then start finding things out because if that's what's happening, guess what, guess what never happened in your heart? Repentance. Repentance brings about a willingness to say let's just – Lay down the table so that we can get to a right with God concept. I'm not saying it's easy. No, there's no place in here where this is easy. But I am telling you that you've been empowered by the Spirit of God to accomplish it. And it's doable. None of this is undoable, would you agree? It's just inconvenient. And it may not be what we, what we like. I mean, who wants to... Who wants to bear their souls to their pastor, right? I know it's not always easy. You're sitting there, I don't want the pastor to know, but, you know, let's just, there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to make me love you less. And we're both on the same page. You know what we both want? We both want to be like Jesus. So let's do this together. And I'm not going to like you less because it's a hard trip. Let's just go be like Jesus together. What indignation? That's a weird one, but uh, indignation, what, is it, what does it mean? What does it mean to be indignant? Anybody? I'm running out of time, so I've got to hurry. Angry, right? It's frustration. I'm, I'm angry and frustrated at sin and what it's doing. I'm angry and frustrated myself. And, and I'm going to take that energy that God has given me, that anger that we just talked about, and I'm going to use it righteously. Okay? I'm not going to throw in the towel and give up and just beat myself up. That does, that's, that's a misuse of anger. I'm going to take the energy that God has given me and work it toward righteousness. Okay? Because I'm tired of sin winning. And I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to use that indignation the right way. Yea, what fear? The Apostle Paul himself said, I fear lest I myself should be what? A castaway. Right? Lest, lest I would fall into these sins. Right? We just read that as we're, as we're trying to restore someone... Being careful, lest you yourself be, be fall into the temptation, right? Be careful. 
And so, uh, you know, this is, we, it creates an, an honest fear of, I, I know myself too well to trust myself with my computer for hours on end. You get the idea? It's that kind of concept. If this person's repentant, this stuff starts falling into place. It's going to lead to a wonderful thing called victory. Hey, look, vehement desire. This is huge. Vehement is like powerful, explosive desire. So now, because I've repented and because I've worked through these steps, I am now developing a desire to be closer to God than I've ever been. I mean, it's, I, I have a passion, a burning desire to please God and to live for God. That's what this repentance begins to work. Right? And, and by the way, people may need help getting to this point, right? If we've never helped them through the carefulness and the clearing of themselves, then how do we expect them to get to the vehement desire? That's, that's the idea of iron sharpening iron. And by the way, you've got to get past, right? If somebody tells you something horrible, you've got to get past it. We're on the same page. We all want to be like Jesus. We all, we all are horrible, right? Let's be honest. We're all horrible. If everybody knew everything about us, we'd just cringe in shame right now. But praise the Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ is there. And so we're just going to go be like Jesus, right? So just have vehement desire. Now then you have this thing called zeal. And zeal is, I call it the feet to the desire. My desire is to see this, right? I, I want this. So zeal says, I'm going to go do this in order for this to take place. Friends, I'll, I'll make it easy. If I have a desire for my brother to know Jesus Christ as his Savior, then what would zeal do? Talking about Jesus, right? Kind of hard to say, oh, I really want my brother to be saved, but I never want to talk to him about Jesus. Hello. <laughs> so that desire brings us to a zeal, an action that says, I'm going to take a step toward this, right? Then it gives this really, really weird thing here. So we're still in Second. Uh, Corinthians. Turn, turn to Second Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show you what this is. The Bible says, what revenge? Now, in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord, right? So, vengeance, revenge belongs to God. So, don't miss, don't miss out on that, right? So, but, but this repentance is going to bring us to revenge, where God is is avenging us upon the sin that is so easily beset us, right? where God is going to revenge us. So we're in Second Corinthians chapter uh, 10. Look at verse 5. It says, Casting down imaginations of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and brings into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And look what it says in verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. So don't stop there. When do we revenge all disobedience? When your obedience is fulfilled. Well, let me help you here. If I've gone from doing wrong things to now I'm, my obedience is being fulfilled, you know what we call that? Victory. We've actually walked through to the place of victory. So when we understand the process of, of repentance, when we understand the antithesis concepts, right, and when we're, when we're willing to get a little bit sticky and someone says, hey, would you pray for me to have enough courage to say, you know, I'm going to pray for you, but I'd love to help you. Can we figure out how you got here? 
What made this happen? Would you pray for me? My husband and I were having some problems. We prayed for my wife and I having some problems. That's great. I'll pray, definitely. I'll be the hero. But let's take the next step. How do we get here? And what can we do to fix that and then make sure it doesn't happen again? It's called repentance. Walk them through that. You know what they end up with? Victory. Like, yes. That's glorious. If by the end of the summer I can send a, a, an intern back to school with victory, I've changed their ministry. And in the process, you know what? They're helping me. Because as we talk, they're like, well, Pastor, have you, uh, you'd be amazed if the, the conversation comes up. And, uh, and I've got to stop. We're out of time. Uh, way out of time. So you've only got two minutes to pray. If you'll find someone to pray with, and as soon as you're done, you can be dismissed. And, and don't forget to inter- introduce yourself up here to uh, Brother uh, Jose and uh, Brother Matt. God bless you. You're dismissed.